3: 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
1: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global.
4: Well, hey, everybody, you have found me and welcome to Onward with Rosie O'Donnell. I don't like to talk about myself in third person like that. Isn't that weird? Rosie O'Donnell? It's me. I can't just say Onward with me, could I? Okay, it's Onward with me. Today, we have an amazing guest, Alexander Vidman. And who is Alexander Vidman? Most of you know, but I'm going to give you a brief intro. Alexander Vidman, was Director of European Affairs at the National Security Council and was appointed to his post at the Trump White House in 2018 and was asked to stay for two years. His tasks included developing, coordinating, executing plans and policies to manage the full range of diplomatic, informational, military, and economic national security for the countries in his portfolio, which included the Ukraine and Russia, Vinman had listened to the July 25th, 2019 call between Trump and Zelensky. He testified in October that he raised concerns twice that Trump and his European Union ambassador, Gordon Sondland, pushed Ukraine leaders to investigate presidential candidate Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. He told the House investigators that he raised his concerns after he listened with other aides to Trump's July 25th call and concluded it was improper, quote, to demand that a foreign government investigate a US citizen. That is Alexander Vindman and he is a national hero. He's an American hero and his life is fascinating. Please uh relax and listen to Alexander Vindman. It is so nice to meet you. Can I call you Alex?
2: Please call me Alex. I insist.
4: I I think that you are an incredible human being, and I was so moved by your courage and candor during this whole entire incident and this whole administration and, and the courage that it took for you to do what you did. So on, on behalf of uh, everyone I know, I just want to say thank you, because- It's it's you're a remarkable guy, and I don't know if you get that enough. I don't know if people stop you on the street and tell you that. But if I saw you in the street, I would hug you probably with tears in my eyes and say
2: thank you so much. Thank you, that's very kind. Um, First, let me say I'm going to challenge you for the funniest person on the program. Okay, good. And if you say that, if you would, you know, you speak to my wife, you might not think I'm as much of a hero. So uh, Uh,
4: I don't know that because I read her texts. And I read uh, what she says, you know, about you and your family. And she's been so supportive and so right there. You're such a team. You're united. You have a daughter. Like, I I don't know. I admire that about you as
2: well. She and your daughter
4: have have put up with so much as a result of this,
2: right? They've been great. They have been great. Um, I I just wanted to get to your point about uh, what kind of reception I tend to get. Occasionally, I get what I perceive to be, like, sideways glances, like, Mm-hmm. You know oh, it's that that vitamin guy or something like that, but in general, uh, you know just about every single interaction i've had people have have come up to me and been uh, very supportive, which i 'm grateful for It is not the way uh you might see on social media with a kind of incessant uh, unending attacks, which mm-hmm. happens you know quite often on on social media that 's easy there 's a black button there um, but in general when uh, when I see people, they 've been very very kind and I feel a, a um, wealth of support from the American public at large, and I'm grateful for that. It just it speaks more to uh, the soul of the American people um, that, you know, that despite what they've been propagandized uh, to believe, uh, I still, uh, people have been kind.
4: Yes. And, and I think that's because more people believe in you and, and the truth. And what you stand for than believe in the right wing party that's been taken over by Trump.
2: Yeah, but there are too many of those folks. Of course, as we both know, probably amounts to tens of millions of uh, um cult followers that are uh, increasingly being driven to violence. It's a small minority. You know, we're a country of 330 million people. It might amount to one percent of the population. 5% 10% of the population which in aggregate numbers that could could mean what 30 million people that's huge but uh, as a as a percentage of our uh, overall american population it's really not that much i think by and large uh, we we are a kind hearted lot yeah
4: you said when you were testifying which was so beautiful that your father was worried that you might be killed and you said no Uh, This is America, and here, right matters, which is the title of your wonderful book. And thank you for sending me a copy that you inscribed, which I have kept in a place of honor in my house. But um, your father, from your your family, has escaped a lot of crises, right? You you left uh, your family left Russia, and then you your family escaped the Nazis, and and your mom died when you were quite young. You were three years old. Okay. And um, you moved to the United States and and life here was was not as easy as, as one might expect for you know little boys. Did,
2: did you find that or I think large a lot of the, a lot of that was true, and I think it was in, in my family DNA to uh, overcome hardship and, and be resilient. Um, but I'll tell you that you know w- we didn't know that we didn't have a lot when we were, we were, when we were little uh, boys that arrived to the United States you know at four years old. Uh, mm. Yes, in hindsight, you know, uh, finding uh, a usable mattress on the street and, and using that uh, as a bed because we were, you know, we, we came here as refugees. My dad had $750 in his pocket. He hauled furniture for the six, uh, first six months here before uh, being able to uh, to acquire sufficient amount of English to pass a civil service exam and, uh, and become a civil servant uh, in uh, engineer for the New York City Department of Environmental Protection. But we didn't know we didn't have a lot. You know, we, we right. were happy, go-lucky kids, you know, uh, um, doing fine. And I think, you know, I guess to a certain extent what we what we grew up on is understanding uh, that hard work does pay off uh, by watching the example of our father who had to restart his life at the age of 47, worked really long hours, married... Um, my stepmother, they both worked really hard to provide for us, and I think those are the kinds of um the kinds of skills we uh developed and, and uh, patterns we look to model and, and emulate.
4: What did your mom die of if you don't mind me asking
2: uh so we the best we could figure out is um some sort of uh lymph cancer mm. uh, maybe you know a, a lymphoma but uh the reason that it, we we're probably even as we're uh, of it as we are, My my dad, who understood what she was uh, suffering from, read an article about the Shah of Iran that had come to the US for treatment for the same kind of cancer. Hmm. And uh that had extended his life for you know more than half a decade or so. And he was looking to to one of the reasons he was looking to come to the US is to seek that kind of medical care and, and save uh, his his wife's our, our mother's life. Um, yeah, yeah but,
4: you were too young to remember her, really. I'm sure in stories, maybe that yeah. you remember her from from family lore. But in your own memory, you don't carry any memory of her, really, right?
2: We don't, um, but we make it a, a kind of a, a pilgrimage uh, when we, whenever um, I'm in Ukraine, whenever my brothers are in Ukraine, and I, I'm there for for work, uh, trying to be helpful with this war. Uh, mm-hmm. While I was in government as a policymaker, uh, I'd make it a point to take a pilgrimage to her grave site and, you know, make sure everything was in order and, you know. Yeah, that's
4: it, a hard one. You know. My mom died as well when I was 10 and sure. there were five children, but but I do uh, have memories. And my, my youngest brother was just about five and he doesn't really have very many at all, you know? Yeah. And I always wished I could give him the few that I, that I have, but even at 10, I don't have a lot of memories. I think the shock of it, you know, doesn't allow you to store as many things when you're a young kid like that.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I think for us, uh, it's a little bit more difficult. We're close with our stepmother. She raised us from when we were about seven years old, but we have a very special relationship with our dad. He was a sole caregiver for a long time. Uh, You know, Again, uh, quite an amazing individual, uh, a model for us, and uh, you know, I think the fact is that we're, we're closer with him uh, just by by nature of that relationship. So it's a little bit of discovery for me, kind of watching the interaction between my daughter and my wife Rachel, and how close they really are. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's something that I guess we didn't quite get a chance to experience in the same kind of way. I imagine uh, you, Rosie, also had a similar kind of experience growing up.
4: Yes, totally. And when when my daughters started to do the things that pre-teenage girls start to do, I was shocked. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't have that time period to push away from my mom and identify myself as an individual person. You have to go through this as a human. But when sure. my kids did it, I was bereft. You know, I thought, yeah. what are they doing to me? Not realizing that I because I hadn't seen it happen as a kid, you know. We'll be right back with Alexander Vindman after this. Do you think your father provided you with the moral compass that allowed you to become? I'm going to say a whistleblower, even though you don't like that word. I read.
2: <laughs> um, so I think I think it, it's maybe more a little bit more basic, and it's something I try to instill in my daughter. Also, he did not tolerate um, lies, uh, so mm. I, I think those that would be dealt with uh, kind of mercilessly. Uh, he prided himself on you know kind of. Your word is your bond and and, and integrity and it's something that I think he instilled in us Uh, so to me you know what uh, reporting I think there was what I try to do with the books I try to kind of explain all of the the, of the elements of my background that that resulted in me taking what some people you know believe is is courageous for me seemed like a kind of a basic and most instinctual response to so you uh, didn't
4: wrestle oppression. with yourself with the concept you no. heard it yeah. you knew that it was uh unconstitutional and uh immoral and criminal in many no. ways no. so you said he basically tried to hold him up for uh money in sure. order to president trump in order to get bad information on biden yeah. who
2: he was terribly afraid of it was it was easy i did not struggle struggle with that at, at all frankly um It was the right thing to do i I was doing it in the in the right way in in the proper reporting channels there are there's recourse i was in a very lofty position as a director for european affairs it's it's a serious position you're convening the deputy assistants uh secretaries across all the departments and agencies it's the equivalent of an army three-star uh uh, general so way above my my pay grade uh and i had a lot of responsibilities and uh, i wasn't going to shirk my responsibilities you know, for for the purposes of of preserving my own career, I you know I knew what the right thing to do was, and I I did there, I did this all in in a, in a proper channel and got the process going to uh, result in impeachment. What's maybe a little bit different than uh, other whistleblowers is that oftentimes they're kind of really uh, maybe helpless within their institutions and have to go outside, let's say, to news to reporting or some other uh, means to, to seek or, uh, some sort of um, a, a redress. In my case, I didn't have to do that. I was charged with with running policy for Russia, Ukraine, parts of uh, Europe. And what I could do is instead I could bring the entire community of professionals together and, and get all that momentum forward uh, to try to put us back right on track, uh, which is what I did. Uh, When I was in my position. At the same time, uh, Congress became aware of my report, and they had their oversight responsibilities. And, uh, you know, I guess to a certain extent, I I used the tools in in my toolbox to to continue to try to do the right thing, regardless of external pressure.
4: Did you speak to your twin brother before you did it? Because in some way, did you realize that you were risking his career in some ways? Or who would ever think that the government yeah. would re- react in the way that it did to both you and your brother and your family?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, to me, he was, he was my—we uh, were in a very, very unique situation. We were both assigned to the National Security Council, uh, commonly kind of joking around, referred to as the Vidman Twins. As the or right. the twins on the N.S.C. or something like like that, um, and I talked to him about you know just about everything he had. Right, uh, he was he has an attorney and the ethics official there uh, had all the right clearances. He's his job was to provide legal counsel for kind of ethics issues. Uh, for me, you know, I mean, I didn't have to guess about where he'd be on this issue either. He's my twin brother. Right. Is he's, he's he, uh, we're very close. I I know what, what his views are. So. I, I didn't really even have to deliberate that much. I think if I knew that he would be the target of retaliation, uh, it would be, I'd be hard pressed to, to bring him into, to be the, you know, kind of retaliated against, but at the same time, he probably wouldn't let me get away with it. Cause if he, if he knew I kept him, I tried to keep him safe, he'd be very angry or something like that, that right, I uh, right. didn't, didn't share the burden with him.
4: How many people were on that phone call that you were on that you felt morally obligated to report? How um, many do
2: you know? Yeah. So in the room, there were, were probably about a half a dozen officials. Uh, it turned out that um, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, had, uh, was also uh, on the conference line, on the party line, uh, as well as uh, Donald Trump, maybe by himself or with a kind of a, a probably with his chief of staff uh, taking it from his residence. So maybe, you know, a, a, all total, less than a dozen people.
4: And you were the only one who reported it.
2: Uh, I think that's true. It turns out that maybe my boss, who was a political appointee, may have also um, once I informed him of the fact that I was I reported it. I think he did the same thing, but mainly not to, to report wrongdoing. mainly mainly as a CYA to kind of yeah cover his ass, right? Exactly. Not that he was had any you know moral or uh, ethical. Uh, concerns about it, just mainly, mainly as a as a uh, as a cover your ass type of thing. But yeah, I guess I was probably the only one on, on that one. But that doesn't necessarily surprise me. You had what you had on that phone call are political operatives, folks yeah. that you know owed their their careers to Donald Trump. They were not going to go uh, go up against him or challenge him. And then you had some pol- uh, some professionals coming out of departments and agencies. Not many, maybe one or two of those folks, uh, but they're. Their uh, purview was not like mine, not responsible for all the policy to do with Ukraine or, or Russia. They had, let's say, you know, somebody from the press team was there, was to, right. to cover that equity. They didn't under, necessarily understand all the issues or that Trump was pulling the, putting the squeeze on, um, you know, or they felt it was my responsibility to because I was char- charged with that that office.
4: He's a very you know vindictive person, and and not only to to you but to. Many people he was in business with, who for many years, you know, did you, you grew up in New York, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, because if you grew up in New York, I always tell everyone, you were fully aware of who he was as a person, because we always saw the New York Post and everyone ridiculing him about what a joke of a person he was, and so... To New Yorkers, I think it was a shock that he could become president, that he could hold any position of authority because we all viewed him as like a, a bad used car salesman, you know, selling steaks and vodka and
2: ties. you know? Sure. I, I always say to people that uh, you should be barred from uh, general election if you can't uh, win your own constituency. So, I think you know, that's you, true. <laughs> and, and, I mean, those are the people that know you best. If you can't win in like New York City— New York state, you have no business, you know, running for, for office that, that would have been uh, too bad. Our founding fathers hadn't thought of that. in the yeah, that's
4: a good, that's a good thing to put in there. I could tell you that because the people of New York have no time for him, you know, whatsoever. Um, can I ask you when you did that speech, when you testified, how did you feel that night? Did you feel like you were walking on air or did you feel like, Oh no, something's going to happen? Like
2: what, what was your state of mind after you were done? Sure, so I mean, I knew pretty much uh, relatively quickly that I was going to have issues with with regards to retaliation um, you know within within the first couple of days, uh, I knew that I was ready out on the outs with the White House. Uh, I still had my position, I could still do good work, but in terms of the political leadership, uh, the folks above me, they uh, started to marginalize me, pulled me off of. Mm. Uh, you know various trips, um, engagements with President Zelensky, Mike Pence, uh, Donald Trump. So I knew that as, as I was was in in hot water. Um, I also kind of got the sense they couldn't really get rid of me until after things were settled out with regards to the impeachment and then the Senate trial. Um, so I just did the best I could for as long as I could. And I, of course, as we all know, uh, just you know, two days after the uh, the end of this uh, the uh, Senate trial, uh, I was was fired from the White House. Uh, and were you
4: expecting that, Alex?
2: I was, ex- I was expecting that. Uh, I was expecting that it was going to happen the day after, actually. So I was a little surprised mm. that it took two days. Uh, but, right. um, you know, I, I knew I was going to be the, the uh, subject of retaliation. And I was going to lose my kind of long-sought position in the White House where, where I thought I could do a lot of work. But I thought I still had a military career. I did not realize that, you know, basically... The uh the attacks were going to scare off the military leadership uh and you know cause me to become radioactive and, and marginalized there. When I was uh, when I was in really good standing and uh you know I had a really quite fast uh ascent uh within my um, within my career field uh as a foreign area officer diplomat. Um, I was selected for promotion to colonel. I didn't think all those things were gonna come to, to a crashing end. Uh but you know, I guess the question is do i have any any um regrets i don't have any regrets about about doing what i did uh i think it was the right thing to do i think when i was faced with the uh, kind of a crisis moment and living up to my oath to support and defend the constitution against uh all enemies foreign and domestic i lived up to my obligations and sometimes yeah ha- i mean this is life this is not you know tv or a movie you have to deal with the consequences and the consequences right. for me were the end of a military career that i'd worked really hard for for decades but yeah after 28 that,
4: years right you were in the military uh, tw- 22
2: years 22 but, years yeah not that old but um
4: <laughs> I am <laughs> yeah
2: but you know at the same time uh you know there's, there's something like I said there are certain aspects uh, that are in my family's DNA resilience I didn't really when it came clear to me that uh I was not, not going to be able to have the same career after uh Trump retaliation,
4: did you hear from a lot of people after you, um, I know people supported you on, on uh, TikTok and Twitter, but did people reach out and say, hey, I, I think that you're amazing and
2: congratulations? I did. Um, so within the military, which is frankly one of the more important uh, you know, constituencies for me, I felt a lot of support from, the, from my peers, colonels and below, but crickets from the seniors, you know, kind mm. of you know, the slightly more political echelon um, which was, which is pretty frustrating. I was trying to suss out if I still had a, a military career and you know, all the signals were, were no. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the reasons I moved on, but I've since gotten my doctorate, um, from Johns Hopkins and I run a think tank and write a, a lot about and, uh, speak a lot about, you know, geopolitics. So pretty rewarding, but from the general public, um. I I did. I mean, like I said, in face-to-face interactions, it was quite positive. My synagogue at one point indicated that I uh, was open to receiving mail and -hmm. there were, uh, it was a flood. There were thousands of pieces of mail that I made it a point to read every single one of them. Uh, And some just wonderful stories recounting, you know, immigrant backgrounds, uh, connections that people drew between their family that came, you know, in the time of the main flower. Uh, wow. to to present day as well as recent immigrants and you know holocaust survivors and stuff like that so it was it was uh i guess i am quite fortunate that I was able to draw that kind of support i think again other whistleblowers don't don't have that they're they they become pariahs within their um you know when, within their uh work environments maybe in within their communities and so forth and don't get the benefit of of um that kind of public support. And I did. So, yeah, that's that wonderful.
4: Said, how, how come you shun the word whistleblower? Because I, I saw that in a couple of interviews I read.
2: Because I, I, I guess you know, a couple of different things. The first one is um, because I think whistleblowers sometimes uh, have to deal with even more challenging circumstances than I, than I did. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the ability to reach out and uh, reach Receive support. They uh, have to deal with the um, trauma of being a whistleblower, uh, losing their job, um, losing their livelihood, potentially family, and uh, not being you know able to recover. Frankly, I guess in part is I do feel like I was able to recover. You know, knocked down, but got back up. Continue to do things I thought were important to me. So I think right. that's one of the reasons I, I I kind of. Uh, I feel like it's, it's a, maybe a bit of a disservice to the term whistleblower. The other one is… Um, well, well, your dad was worried about you losing your life. I think that's true. I think from his context, it made huge sense. Uh, if I had done something like this in, in Russia, they would have murdered me. You know, Prigozhin's plane was knocked down. And uh, that's the way they, they deal with, you know, p- people that are seen as uh, opponents but we live in a different society. We live in a, a society uh, governed by the rule of law, um, you know, by art, by uh, Western democratic liberal values, uh, you, even if we fall short of them, sometimes that's kind of still in, in our uh, DNA, tr- always trying to strive for that more perfect union. So I didn't have to feel for, uh, uh, fear in the same way. I mean, yes, I was concerned about losing a job and providing for my family, but I also recognize that uh, unlike my dad who came here at 47, I, I was younger. Uh, I didn't have three, I had a daughter uh, and, and a wife. I didn't have three boys and, and uh, no spouse like he did. I spoke English, I had my Ivy League degrees. I mean, I could land on, I, you know, I could land on my feet. So I guess from that standpoint, again, um, you know, I, I think I, I, I was pretty darn, uh, I, I've done pretty well in spite yeah. of these challenges in spite of being taken off uh, you know the path i had set for, for myself but it doesn't change actually uh, actually one aspect of it is that the the trump regime has never really been held to account until re- quite recently, recently yes for for all of their various priming. i think that uh, right now, the january 6th uh, insurrection was the culmination of the president's efforts to try to steal the 2020 election it started with, with my report. It started with, with, what, what, with what I was reporting, which was the president was trying to tip the scales in his favor by uh, extorting an investigation against then-President Biden, Vice President Biden, to steal that election. It culminated in an insurrection. He Only now, after you know, many years, has he been finally held accountable for, for his uh, criminal activities. Mark Meadows as chief of staff directly responsible in retaliation uh against me finally being held uh, accountable. So in a lot of ways frankly I feel validated uh, validated and vindicated and uh when when these folks are wearing their orange jumpsuits and and paying for their crimes I think that this episode will will be you know kind of closed for me.
4: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting since uh the f- the first indictments were handed down I have felt a relief and a renewed faith in the United States. I was really um, very disappointed in in the way and the pace and the timing of, of him finally being called into account for, for what he did. Do you think that the phone call that you reported on the Zelensky trying to extort him um, gave Putin the idea that it was okay to go and take over Ukraine?
2: I think the entire episode with the Ukraine scandal set the conditions and did plant the seed for for Putin um, to believe that he could get away with it Mm -hmm. under Trump or under uh, uh, a um, American political establishment in which Trump had huge sway over the entirety of the Republican establishment. I think what the way I, you know, the clarity here is that for Putin, the conclusion was that U.S. national security could be sacrificed to You know, the political aims of of an individual, Trump Mm. trying to steal an election was more important. Uh, His own political success was more important than the U.S. national security. And then continuing on through the way Trump made Ukraine radioactive to the U.S. Mm. establishment, it became uh, dangerous for uh, high level engagement between Ukraine and U.S. policymakers. So that undercut US support for Ukraine and made Ukraine look more vulnerable. It right. undercut the kind of aid Ukraine could get, including uh, through you know, military aid. And uh, ultimately it actually carried through, frankly, into the beginning of the Biden administration. Uh, President Biden didn't meet with Zelensky until the summer uh, of, uh, of 2021. Uh, and that could have been time well spent hardening Ukraine, sending the message that, that uh, Ukraine was, was off limits. What probably ultimately, you know, w- one of the tipping points for, for Putin must have been even as hundreds of thousands of troops, or almost 200,000 troops, were being placed on uh, Ukraine's borders, you still had Donald Trump cheerleading for Putin. All right. It's, unbelievable. Message, it's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. It's
4: unbelievable to think about, it, you know. It
2: is. But what, the message for, for, for Putin is this this is potentially one of the front runners for 2024. This is the guy that runs the Republican Party, and that a, a war against Ukraine would come with little and no, uh, no consequences. That the Republican establishment was not gonna hold Putin accountable for this war. That's the message that Trump and all of his acolytes were sending to Putin. That's why Putin felt so comfortable in launching this war. That and you know his misplaced chauvinism about Russian power versus who the Ukrainians were, uh, that's just a, another historical feature of Russia. And it's kind of uh, you know imperialism and domination of the region. But
4: do you happen you know, to know the death toll in the Ukraine for Ukraine citizens? And since it started,
2: um, it, it's so the the official numbers are frankly in in the low uh, tens of thousands. Sounds like a you know <laughs> that is a absurd number, um, right? But it's it, it's that's the official uh, death toll the estimates are significantly higher for places that the russians are occupying like mariupol alone mm-hmm. expectations are that there were tens of thousands of people killed there in russia's um, attack on the city and, and population right. the the toll for the, mil- the ukrainian military may be uh, you know as high as 70 80 maybe 100,000 which is a catastrophic number we're talking about a country with a pre-war population of about 43 million And 100,000 of their best and brightest um, have have been killed uh, fighting to defend the country. It is not, you know, the Russians have been throwing their ash and trash, a lot of their ash and trash there. Prisoners, tens of thousands of prisoners uh, uh, that were uh, dragged into their ranks to to fight against Ukraine. But for Ukraine, it's uh, a cross-cutting of society, artists, actors, um, musicians, scientists have all signed up to do their patriotic duty and defend their country, defend their homes, defend their families. And, uh, you know, it, it, they've they've taken punishing losses. And it's, it make, kind of makes you sick if you think about, you know, what what this means for the f- future of society. Um, and this war is not likely to end uh, anytime soon, unfortunately. I think it's likely to last through. Uh, there's a small chance that we'll get into some negotiations towards the end of this year. But it's likely to last through 2024, in part because of the fact that Putin. They want to see
4: if Trump wins, right? Yeah.
2: Putin may think that he could snatch victory from the jaws of defeat in a favorable U.S. election.
4: We'll be right back with Alexander Vindman after this.
1: Presents back to black.
0: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
1: Experience the music and her story.
0: Know this. I ain't no spy girl.
1: Like never before.
0: As my daughter, as my Amy.
1: On the big screen.
0: I wanna be remembered.
3: Twenty-four month financing is available with approved credit for ninety years.
0: We've been right here, right now, right rug flooring. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to five hundred anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people
4: that uh, trump is a russian asset but i think he's too dumb to be that but he might be one um, unknowingly like just because he's not very intelligent and he doesn't understand uh kind of the inner workings of politics
2: (laughs) he's easily manipulated he is what's called called a uh unwitting asset and Mm -hmm. a useful idiot that's the, that's the, yeah. you know, these are, these are actually the technical terms that I, uh, let's say, you know, counterintelligence or intelligence would use to describe them if they were going to assess him. The reason is that he's probably not aware of the fact that he's being run as an asset that Putin was pandering to him, uh, pandering to pandering to his, uh, narcissism and his vanity. And when Putin would, you know, talk him up saying, good job, Donald, keep it up, keep up the good work and knowing that that Trump is uh, a fanboy over Putin was the easy way to manipulate him. Uh, And the fact that you know it really, uh, it became quite apparent on my first day and on the National Security Council when Trump was having his press conference with Putin in Helsinki, that he was Mm. easily manipulated. Trump was easily manipulated into uh, buying Putin's lies over the uh, assessment of the intelligence community. So it
4: reminded yeah. me of a kid from the AV squad in high school, <laughs> finally yeah. getting the attention of the quarterback. Yeah. And yeah. he felt all puffed up and, you know, uh, by this horrible dictator murderer, you know, yeah. that, that this is the, the person he admires. It should have been yeah. enough of a warning sign for, for us, our, our biggest international adversary for how many decades. And, and sure. that's who he cozies up to. Yeah, I mean,
2: but I, I don't, you know, the term of art is "useful idiot," but frankly, I think Trump is a useless idiot. Uh, just, mm. uh, you know, just doesn't fight uh, fit, fit the quite that way. You'd be How do
4: you explain his appeal? Do you have any idea? I mean, you went to Harvard, so I feel yeah. like I can ask you anything about politics. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, think? Do you think it had anything to do with the Celebrity Apprentice because it was a number one show for so many years, and I think Americans believed what they saw, even though it was all a lie.
2: Sure. I think, you know, there's something to be said about um, showmanship and that Trump presented himself as an effective leader, an outsider, uh, when uh, politics have been demonized. You know, politicians are not to be heralded and praised for their sacrifice in public service, but they're, they're now to be kind of... Uh, Reviled as uh, dirty, self-serving, you know, kind of corrupt and so forth. That's When, when uh, we take our political discourse towards attacking you know, one, one uh, candidate, attacking another as, as corrupt, uh, that's going to have a toll on the general public. Uh, so the, the idea that this guy was going to come in and, and uh, drain the swamp because he's an outsider, um, that, you know, government is too bloated... Like the Republicans have been saying, it's ineffective that that you know we ha- we have big government. Our tax dollars are being wasted. When when politicians say that long enough, it's it's a propaganda thread that really starts to uh, kind of uh, pervade home. the way people yeah the way people think about uh, politics. And this guy was going to come in to be an effective leader. Now nobody in New York was going to buy that because they knew exactly who he was. We'd been brought up recognizing that he's a, a failure, a fraud you know, um, numerous bankruptcies and, you know, infidelity, all sorts of other stuff, but the American public wasn't aware of that. And, uh, they were effectively propagandized and convinced to believe it. And I think that's part of it. Um, but there was another part of it, unfortunately, maybe more kind of insipid and and dangerous. He was willing to settle scores with the folks that people felt, uh, they've been slighted by themselves by, uh, Diversity by uh, you know minorities that were taking their jobs, by all of these things that you know are uh, for whatever reason uh, American public felt like they needed to settle a score with and and Trump was going to roll things back. he was going to be regressive to give these folks back their power, so I think yeah. that that's a that is the more dangerous component of this is that it kind of feeds a base notion. That, um, you know, the reason that your lot in life is so difficult is because somebody's taken something that rightfully belonged to you. Right. And Trump was going to roll that back. Um,
4: what do you think they, will happen if he is found guilty?
2: Will he ever serve he, time? I think I think the fact is that I'm increasingly confident. I think these there are four different indictments now uh, having different strength. I'd say that um, the first couple of indictments... Uh, probably weren't weren't the weighty ones and weren't going to be sufficient to to uh, put him in irons. But his um, indictment for uh, mishandling classified information is 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 very dangerous. Uh, these are highly classified documents that he um, he stole, hmm. and potentially uh, while the assessments being done, uh, it is hard to fathom that other uh, foreign intelligence. And, and networks that were not uh, aware of the fact that he had all these classified documents but were not looking to gain access to these documents. So he potentially compromised uh, operations, um, compromised our, our you know our in, intelligence uh, app, um, on the ground. All those all yeah. those
4: people who were murdered. Uh, yeah. You know, um, is he responsible for that? You know. I mean, so
2: that's 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 what's being analyzed right now. So I think that is a grave um, crime, and I think he's likely to serve time for that. And then the insurrection itself. I think we're going to mm-hmm. learn a lot more. I mean, I think those of us that have been paying attention understood how central Trump was to to the whole uh, insurrection and the violence against the Capitol. But he was completely the orchestrator yeah, he, of that. Exactly right. And you know, again, to me this is apparent because. I saw it firsthand in 2019 with the squeeze on Zelensky. All, the rest of the public really learned about it only after he uh, attempted to claim the fact that he, he the election was stolen from him. Of course, that's because he failed to steal it himself. So he's doing a lot of mirror right, imaging. Exactly. So I think he's he's likely to serve time. Actually, and so are his enablers, which is critically important. It's not just the the kingpin, but the enablers, because the message needs to be sent to other folks. Uh, that you know, if they support a criminal enterprise, they're going to pay the price. So I'm right. looking forward to the day that you know justice is served against Giuliani and Mark Meadows and all yes. of these other enablers.
4: All of the people on their on their roster got time, sure. and I just wonder, you know, wh- where would we be able to put him to keep him "quote unquote" safe in that environment? Where how would we be able to do that? But. Partially, you know, whether or not he ends up in jail to me can't be the victory, although I know he should. The fact that there are all of these indictments and there were people like you, like uh, who, with the courage to stand up for what's right, you know, all of these DAs and all of these uh, people who refuse to bow to him, you know, they all deserve to be put on a pedestal, like I believe you do, because uh, you are what. It means to be an American, in my
2: mind. You know, it's interesting. When uh, when I was testifying, I, I, I'm, for some reason, kind of one of the more notable figures, but there were lots of my uh, colleagues that were yes. up there with me. And uh, for me, uh, one of the silver linings from the whole episode was that I th- thought that the American public could, could see behind the curtain about the excellence of public service and uh, excellent public servants that they, their tax dollars were, were going towards. So, uh, you know… We're seeing that same uh, kind of. We're seeing that play out with the district attorneys, with the other law enforcement uh, officers, um, the courts that are again public servants doing the right thing, and that is not that is not something that's you know kind of displayed on a regular basis. Or instead, it's the narratives around uh, that public servants are a waste of resources, a waste of dollars, and stuff like that. So I, I continue to try to take every opportunity to elevate public service um, because it made me in part who i am and there are countless thousands of public servants out there that are doing their their best to defend u.s national security hold the line make sure that this country is governed by uh, the rule of law
4: so important i mean do you think that there will be another politician with his kind of cult-like status do you think like i look at DeSantis, and i think yeah. he doesn't have that thing yes. whatever that thing is whether that was you know many years on a reality show that portrayed him as someone he is not yeah. or whether it was some innate twisted charisma i mean i don't know but uh, i don't see another one like him coming to power i think it's
2: i think uh, uh that is a hopeful perspective and i hope you're right i think there are going to be people that try to em- emulate it i think for instance uh, RFK Jr. is attempting yeah. to kind of juice the same system on on the left. Uh, although, frankly, he's you know I don't see what what policies of his align with with kind of progressive. No, or, or, his, experience. or his
4: experience. He doesn't have any experience but in terms of. Yeah. Of politics, you it's know? It's the same
2: kind of cult leadership, though, that he's trying to ch- trying to uh, tap yeah, into. Yeah, he,
4: he—I think liberals and Democrats are, are not taking a shine to him. I think even his own family, the Kennedy family, has said, no, sure. we do not support him. So yeah. uh, I, I don't even take him seriously, to tell you the truth.
2: I think that's right. I think people are, will attempt to emulate some of his—some um, of Trump's success in terms of, you know, just this— uh, uh, unbelievably ironclad support from segments of society, uh, but uh, after twenty twenty four, after after his defeat in the in the next general election, hopefully by larger margin. It's going to be close no matter what. We're probably talking about two, three, four percent. That's way mm. too close for comfort between the. It's hard difference to believe. What, success-
4: you yeah. know, Alex, when you see those newscasters who go into the Trump rallies and the people are covered in their Trump swag and they say the most absurd things like joe biden is dead and that's actor james woods i'm like Mm -hmm. these people are serious Mm. they're seriously saying this to a newscaster i don't understand the state of delusion mass delusion it's it's like we need people to get them out of the cult and and how do we do that i think it starts with these trials I think it starts with him being found guilty. I think it starts with, with people seeing, I think it's happening. Do you think it's happening? I
2: I think it's happening. I think that plus the loss, a pretty significant loss in 2024, nobody really, you know, uh, we like our underdogs, but we probably don't like our uh, uh, people to lose repeatedly. So I think that's going to take a a lot of the luster off, but the trials themselves are going to be critically important, uh, to. Um, to to pull back the curtain on on you know everything he's done to harm this country, um, and God knows there's yeah. a lot of things. Yeah.
4: How's your brother doing? I'm curious about him. What what you do you took off and and got yourself a doctorate and are working and, and is your brother as well? Is he did he transition
2: yeah. into something else? He did. He left uh, service um, in August, uh, so he's been out for just about a year. In that time, um, he's been working with the Department of State uh, to hold the Russians accountable for war crimes in Ukraine. He's Thank been God. to Ukraine 13 times. He's heading actually, uh, actually uh, to Ukraine in the next uh, several days for his 13th trip within a year. Um, wow. He and I work together on a bunch of different projects. We have humanitarian efforts to help equip uh, the Ukrainian National Guard uh, to direct resources. I mean, I've established, uh, you know, a nonprofit to try to help Ukraine, uh, all sorts of different ideas to try to, we're, we're working on demining. We're working on, um, veterans care for the Ukrainian uh, armed services, lots mm-hmm. of folks that need to be reintegrated, um, both with heavy wounds and, and, you, you know, with just psychological scars back into sight, sure. all sorts of different projects to try to be helpful.
4: Yeah. You served as together. well. I don't know if yeah. people remember that, that you served in, in Iraq, I believe. Right?
2: Yeah. yeah how, long um, how long were you there? How long? So I was there for a year. Um, Eugene uh, retired as a, it, he, his last position was as as a colonel and a judge advocate general. Uh, so like an attorney in the military, we both served, uh, we spent our, our careers in the military. Um, I served in, in, uh, on the border between North and South Korea. Uh, in Ukraine, in Russia for for three years, all sorts of different postings uh, around mm-hmm. the world. So lot, lots of perspective. Well,
4: thank you for your service. Needless to Thanks. say, your one there fighting the war was, you know, unbelievably courageous and, and brave and enlisting and serving the country that way. But you know, your courage and standing up to this horrific administration and all of the damage it, it has done will will leave you uh, a hero in the history books and and. Uh, Admired and adored by uh, people all over this country who believe what you believe, that, you know, here, you know, um, right matters.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Do, do I recall that you have connections also to uh, some military service?
4: Yes, my son uh, is was a Marine for four years. Awesome. And, uh, he, yeah, he uh, hurt his back. And uh, that was kind of a bummer for him because he wanted to have a career in the military. And, you know, as a mom, that was a very hard thing. You know, I don't know what your stepmom felt. I'm sure your dad was supportive. But uh, for moms, I I, I don't know. It it was a—maybe dads, too. It was a terrifying concept when he said to me, you know, his left-wing liberal democratic mother, (laughs) anti-war, you know, I'm going to go join. I was like, dear God, anything but this. But I'm so proud of him, and I'm proud of everyone who who chooses to do that and— Defend this country. Although I do wish we could abolish war in some way and settle our differences like sane adults, not like you know people from 200 years ago. Sure. Listen, my love, to your wife Rachel, your daughter, and your whole family. I want to thank you uh, for doing this. I've wanted to speak to you for a very long time, and and uh, my admiration is unending.
2: Thank you very much. I'm glad we finally connected. Surprised it took us this long, but looking forward to speaking to you again soon.
4: I know exactly. We had some Twitter interaction there a yeah. little bit, but
2: yeah, definitely. But
4: uh, thank you for doing this, and uh, I hope to hear from you if, if the tra- when the trial ends, I would love to do this again so that we Terrific. could uh, take a take a gander at, at where we ended up.
2: Sounds good. Thank you.
4: Take All care. All right, Alex. Thank you so much. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that. You know, we tend to run a little long with these kind of conversations, so we don't have time for questions today. Next week, the one and only Kathy Griffin. Don't miss it. We drop on Tuesdays. Onward with Rosie O'Donnell.
3: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring.